everybody. It's Movie Geeks United. Right before we went to air on this episode, uh, the news broke that uh, director George A. Romero has passed away at the age of 77 from lung cancer. Mm. Uh, so, that's the big loss this week in Filmland. Uh, all the, uh... Uh, he, all, he, never, he never quite looked well, though. I mean, to be honest. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I guess in the past few years, but, uh, um, yeah, it's a sad loss. It a, is. I mean, a, what can a you say? <laughs> you know, yeah. a giant in his own way, you know? You know, a giant, there's there's no doubt that he was a giant, and I, I just don't know how you would, I mean, when he, you know, his first couple of films, not just the, um, the dead movies, he just, oh, that first, that first decade is very rich, um, first two decades maybe but I mean there's a lot there and I don't know if we would have a lot of what we have now if it wasn't for him I do think there needs this is a it's a guy is a giant I mean there's no doubt about that um so it, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know I'm still processing it so it's kind of you know it's very difficult really to to have the words really outside of that you know I mean uh, it's you know it, it sucks um yeah I mean, I met him three years ago. Uh, always tried to get an interview with him and never did. Um, but apparently his uh, – he died while listening to the score of one of his favorite films, The Quiet Man. Mm-hmm. And mm. apparently he ha- he hasn't had lung cancer for long. They say it was a brief battle. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, neither of the living did. I mean, like, you know, the most, I guess probably the most successful indie movie of all time, probably. Right? I mean, uh, uh, probably. I mean, and, uh, and, and also so important because, uh, because of his casting of, of, uh, what was his name? Dwayne? 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 I don't, I don't, you know, I got, you got to forgive me. I don't remember his. Dwayne, I think, was the first. I don't remember his last name, though. you got to forgive me. I don't. Dwayne Jones, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which was, the, you know, you probably wouldn't have, uh, you know, something like Get Out now without uh, without him in some mm-hmm. way because of, because of his casting of Mr. Jones, uh, African-American actor, in a time when very few uh Black people were were being cast as leads, heroic leads. So uh, uh, that's incredibly important. But uh, you know, it is interesting how just just by casting him, uh, it 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 infused the movie with <laughs> the movie with a political and human rights statement that uh, otherwise might not have existed uh, mm-hmm. because nothing nothing was altered much to uh, accommodate an African-American actor in that movie. It didn't have to be. I mean, it was it's, no. it's never, race is never even mentioned in in, yeah. in that film or in Dawn of the Dead, too, uh, which also had an African-American lead. So, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, but, I mean, you know, of course, that was by his design, you know. I mean, he, uh, he wanted uh, that series to have... Uh, more resonance, social resonance than uh, you know other zombie movies 
have. Uh, in fact, I read once that he was offered uh, some. Uh, uh, he was offered a directing job on uh, The Walking Dead, but he wasn't interested because they they weren't attacking that side. Uh, they, they they didn't attach any social social relevance to yeah, their zombies. Yeah, he was unhappy. He wasn't happy with that show. I remember him, you know, I think in that same interview, he said that really there's no need to, I mean, he, he even thought the genre was pretty much, you know, no pun intended, dead. I mean, he just thought if you weren't making, like you said, a social commentary, what was the point? Um, you know, that was his big thing with that. I mean, he, and, and, up until, what, I mean, and yet wasn't, wasn't AMC developing something with him, though? Uh, a, a, a Walking Dead, I mean, a, a, a Living Dead series or something? Or? Some I don't know. Some kind of I don't know. It was announced last year or two ago. Okay. Even maybe though there's Frank no mention of it on this uh, Maybe site, Frank Darabout, so. like, sent him an email. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, it's easy to forget, too, that, you know, some of his other movies, you know, uh, that, that weren't zombie movies, things like, well, my favorite is probably Martin. His, or the crazies. Uh, yeah. The, the I like crazies. the crazies too, but it's it's only like a half a step away from a zombie movie. It's but, only uh, a half a step, but it was still it's an interesting it's an interesting film to watch today. Not that, I mean even the remake the remake is decent, but no that film is an interest to watch today because I didn't see it in the in the period where it came out, but to watch it today it's a fa- it's, it's it's a crazy film. Um, and no pun intended there either. But, <laughs> But no, but it is the film is insane. Um, if you really, see, you know, it just a, it does feel like something. It almost feels like the B side of like the Living Dead films. Almost stuff you couldn't get in there that he wanted to get in there. Yeah, that's 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 an interesting take on it. Yeah, but it definitely fits in with the uh, whole contagion sort of genre. <laughs> right, you know, right. Uh, pretty well. But Martin is uh, maybe my favorite of his non. Uh, non-zombie movies because uh, uh, I just find that character to be sort of wistful and uh, and the entire movie to be kind of um, I don't know it's infused with kind of a different feeling than his other movies have a, a little bit more of, a, of a, a kind of a strange sadness to it that I like um, yeah. yeah no no definitely but uh, out, you know out of his uh, you know I've I, I haven't really, you know, gone into the latter-day zombie movies, but uh, certainly, you know, Dawn of the Dead is great. And, and I have a deep appreciation for Day of the Dead, too. Mm-hmm. I think that's gotten better as as the years have gone right. by. Um, but uh, I don't remember having uh, so much of a... I don't think I I really liked Land of the Dead, and I think I stopped after that one. I didn't see Diary or Survival. Diary but, uh, was okay. Uh, it's the one I think it was the one after that. What is it? Survival of the Dead, mm-hmm. where I really just I I couldn't get into it. I, I just it was for me. I felt it really this. I mean, you can even say Diary of the Dead is just, because it's really just taking the Night of the Living Dead taken from a different angle almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, <sighs> You know, but you can definitely yeah. Land of the Dead is the one with Dennis Hopper, right? Yeah. Um, it it has its moments, but you're you're just happy that you know that George Romero can get a film that would go into a lot of theaters still. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at that point, I know that's a horrible thing to say, but in 2005, that is something to marvel at, though. But only a zombie movie. 
Yeah, yeah that's true. And, and, I, yeah. and I, I, I was always, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if he wanted to branch out and he was limited or if he was okay with that being his stock and trade. I think I remember reading like a quote from him that, you know, the only movies that he could ever get financed really were the dead films. Uh, and so if he wanted to work, that's what he did. Mm. Uh, and that, that seems to probably be right. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's only made, you know, two movies outside of the horror genre. I mean, uh, there's there's the movie, I've never seen this, but there's always Vanilla <clears throat> from 71, I think it's, uh, I, if I remember correctly, it's kind of a, uh, you know, a marital drama. And um, mm-hmm. and then there's Night Riders, of course. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I like I like that one. It's a yeah. weird movie, but I like that. Yeah. Um. And uh, you know, Monkey Shines is a really good one too. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. But of course, probably his most popular movie is probably outside of uh, you know the other the others is probably Creepshow. I was gonna say yeah. that. Yeah. Um. Which is is a lot of fun, even even if it is, I feel a little uneven. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's you know all the great uh, horror guys are falling away. Uh, yeah. And now uh, I guess we ha- I mean you know we have a new generation of horror masters or whatever, but. Uh, I guess out of that you know out of that sort of generation, I guess uh, only. Uh, John Carpenter is still around, really. Well, and John Carpenter and uh, is, isn't Toby Hooper still around? Uh, yeah, but I mean, is he even making movies? He's not making movies. I he? think he's just trying to. You know, I I don't know what he's doing these days. I mean, I he's trying the last to get beat up by his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But there's always that. Um, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, uh, it's 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 sad. Well, but, wait a second now. Wait a second. Um, would it be? Would it be? Even though he's not American, he's Canadian. Wouldn't we put Cronenberg in that category? I guess. Yeah, certainly. And Those I mean, I guess. Films. I guess you know, there's some foreign ones. Like uh, I, I guess, is Argento still? Uh, Argento's still Argento making movies. Argento is still. He's still making yeah. movies. Um, but I bring up Cronenberg just because I went. You know, because the, the uh, I got. I finally got scanners. The Criterion for on the fifty percent off sale. So I got scanners yesterday. So I, I just um because he was. You know, he's. In, I don't care about that. I think Cronenberg is incredibly <laughs> important. So I mean, he is. He I do is. too. But you know what amazes me about scanners? Because I rewatched it again recently too. The 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 big scene that everybody talks about uh, with the head blowing up. It's amazing right. that that happens in the first act of the movie. Yeah. You'd they, expect that to be the big climactic thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cronenberg but, but Cronenberg, I mean, Cronenberg, uh, for me, horror kind of was a, a stepping stone. Oh, like yeah. A fir- mm-hmm. Like a first, a first act of Cronenberg, really. Uh, I mean, he, he, more than anyone, he's the one that's kind of branched out into vastly different arenas. Yeah. Right, but yeah. I, I just think it's important to to bring him up in the conversation. I mean, you could you could even stretch out and say, um, you know, seventies the Palma certainly fits that mold um, to to a degree. Um, 
But no, um, we are losing. I think when John, I mean, we, what's really sad about I mean, Romero was only seventy-seven, and I, because and I, I, I still think there was a, there was a lot of energy there. I think. Um, I think there. I, I don't know about. I mean, I think with Wes Craven, it was that was a shocker when he passed away. That yeah. was. I'm just. That was a bad. That Again, was just, that caught up. No pun. No pun intended. Well, what can I say, Jamie? What can I say? They all use the titles. They all they're like Dean Koontz. They all use the titles. You know. Um, yeah. You know what can I say? Um, but that that was that was um, that was sudden, um, when he went. So yeah, I his, guess you know, his, the next his, his, his films were the music of my heart. Are they really? No. Yeah, they were. They were the music of my heart. They were. The, <laughs> they were. They made me scream. <laughs> oh God, please! Yeah, it's easy. All right, let's, let's well, move I on. I mean, if you're talking about new, if you're talking about new generation, I mean those those are the ones that are waiting to die. But if you're talking about the new generation, I mean, who who do we have? I mean, James Wan. Is that is that it or Guillermo Guillermo del Toro, of course. Okay. Um, well, I think you have Eli Roth. I mean. You would have to, I mean, I guess put Eli Roth in that category. Um, I'm yeah. trying to think who else. James Wan. Um, um, and I'm telling you, i got to say this because, uh, I mean, I don't have to say it. I just will say it. Uh, <laughs> I think James I think James Wan does really well with a couple of his films. I watched The Conjuring 2 because I mm-hmm. was on HBO the other night, and it works. I mean, oh, yeah. I don't see how anybody can bad talk it. It does exactly what it's made to do. It works. You know, it does those, those well. Films, those films are very, I mean, the casting, I think the atmosphere, and I think this, they're actually, he knows how to make a, a good, scary movie. Um, and he's very good at suspense. Those two Conjuring films are very good. Um, no, I would, you would, I guess yeah, you would have to put him in that category. And he's another one that's, Trying is branching out um, into other films. Um, I, but I, I don't know. You know, Roth. I guess Guillermo del Toro. Um, who, who else? I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's real difficult after that. I mean, like, I can't. I, you know, I guess because I don't really think that. Yeah, has to. I mean, certainly some Japanese filmmakers have you know graduated into that. You know, like I guess I guess Miyaki. Yeah, but he doesn't. He doesn't just do horror. So, um, yeah, it gets a lot more difficult after that. Uh, Shunsuki Kikuchi. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I guess you mean Takashi Miki, the one who did um, yeah auditions. Auditions. Yeah, Uh, Miki. He does whatever he wants. I mean, he just does whatever he wants to do. I mean, he's not. Really bound. I, he'll go. He'll do a horror and film, you know, a samurai film. Yeah, right. And there's well, some I'm, like you know the the Swedish horror has really uh, taken grasp in the past couple of years with stuff like Goodnight Mommy, uh, and and then you have the 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 person that did the, the Baba Duke. I mean, those are the high profile horror auteur films that have come out in the past couple of years, and and both of those you know, left me really cold. I mean, I, mm-hmm. there was such a remove to them that they, they didn't really sink in to me. Mm. Rob Zombie, maybe? He wants to go. He's going back to music, though. I think even he realizes that um, he's not he's not wanted. I mean, he's, he's, going, he's going back to music full time, I, I read a couple of weeks ago. So. Oh, okay. 
Well, I mean, I really only love one one of his movies, which is The Lords of Salem, which I think is an amazing movie. But uh, I think uh, The Devil's Rejects. I would. I mean, but that's not really a horror movie. That's. I mean, but I would give him that, and that's, I would give, definitely give him that movie. Well, none well, of us on, are on, on this topic. Go ahead. Go ahead. None of uh, us are no, real massive horror fans, so I, I assume that a more uh, well-versed horror fan could let us know of, of, you know, the people who are in the present-day pantheon. But I can't really think of too many. Well, I can think there's a lot of in, there's a lot of, like we were talking about a lot of independent um, filmmakers um, that are making horror movies. But I, are they I mean, any good? That's what I'm saying. Are they masters at it? Are they ma- the well, they're masters? And I think we named James Wan. Yeah, would be the the James Wan, Eli Roth, Guillermo del Toro. Um, who made the um. Left the, well, the guy who made Left the Right One In, though, also made Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. So I don't know what... He's not a horror guy. He's yeah. not a horror guy. So what we have, though, is we have a lot of people who are making horror films, but they're making other things as well. Yeah. So, um... It feels like... You know how actors back in the day, when they were trying to get in the business, they they started out with a soap opera, and that was the stepping stone? That's mm-hmm. what the horror feels nowadays for directors. Yeah. Like, it's their soap opera. <laughs> Right, right. right. So, I mean, it's they're cheap to make, you know. Get a lot of eyes on them, you know. So, uh, yeah. Would you put Eduardo Sanchez, um, a local filmmaker who made Blair Witch Project, who made the um, Bigfoot movie exist? He's made a lot of horror movies, but obviously Blair Witch. Oh, the guy who who re, who made the new version of Blair Witch, but also made the guest. And oh god, what was the movie he made before that? Um, there was a movie he made before that. Um, I don't know his name, but I would actually put him in that category. He's someone to watch. Um, well, yeah, I'll have to look that up. I actually have a tablet now, so I will try to get, see what oh, I can find. Yeah, I know. what no, I got a tablet because um, isn't it Alex five. something or? I'm going to look it up, Jamie. I'm going to try to look it up, okay? Just give me a moment, please. <laughs> Just give me a goddamn fucking moment. Come on, Dean. Let's try to be him. Hey, hon. Let's race him. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, what are we I'm looking at? Trying to get, I'm looking at, I'm trying to get to the goddamn app. I only have the IMDb, I have the IMDb app. I spaced so, out uh, for a second. Uh, yeah, pay attention. There's going to be a test on this, Dean, okay? Oh, goddamn it. God damn it. <laughs> so, um, all right, here we go. Yes. I assume all this will be cut out. Yeah. <laughs> Adam um, Weingart. Weingart. Adam Weingart, okay, thank you. All right. He's not a master. <laughs> Come on. Well, I would give the guest. What's the movie he made before the guest? What's the movie he made before I don't that? even remember the guest. The Guest was a good movie. I liked that movie. That was a good. That was a very suspenseful. That was a good thriller. Um, but he made the um, the latest Blair Witch. Well, you know, I wouldn't say that's a great movie, but I would think he's he's also making the American version of Death Note. So I think mm-hmm. that's from Netflix. So he's someone I you know. I would say oh that's no, he contributed to VHS too. Uh. Well, you know, you know, I, I wish I contributed to VHS. Okay, I'm not gonna wait to get a knock on that. You're next. <laughs> you're next. <laughs> not my favorite movie. Not my, not my favorite horror movie. Um, I would actually have to say, you know, the filmmakers on the film, um, Double X, um, the female horror director movies. I would look look at that. Um, the Soska twins. 
have made a lot of horror now movies. They're, uh, now, they're possibly, you know, uh, seem they seem to be, uh, you know, committed to the horror genre and doing good work. So. Yeah, I mean, you have to bring them into the conversation. Um, yeah. You really do. They're, they've, they've made they've, – and they've, like, they're, they're Canadian, I believe, and they've just worked their way up. I mean, they've really got to – I got to hand it to them. I'm very impressed with their output. Yeah, the – oh, you're next is the one that um, Adam Wingard yeah. did after VHS. I'm sorry, I didn't, if you said that, I'm sorry, I did not hear that because I was busy trying to get a network connection, okay? I'm sorry about that. Um, <laughs> well, let's move on. Can we move on to the movie? Well, hang on. Hey, I want to bring up something that's related to this. Uh, uh, the uh, Toby Hooper, uh, there was a uh, assistant director on Poltergeist that was interviewed last week. Uh and he admitted, he said, yes, without a doubt, Spielberg is the one that directed Poltergeist. <laughs> he said Toby Hooper Toby Hooper was as nice as can be, and Spielberg let him have a couple of days to himself. But in the whole, Steven Spielberg was calling the shots. Toby Hooper was just kind of smiling in the background. <laughs> no, Collecting the paycheck. So why, why did he do that? Why did Spielberg do that, though? Why didn't he take the director's credit? Is there a reason uh, for that? Is there a legal reason or something like that, or is this a is this a guild decision or something like that? I no, there, there 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 is a reason. There is a reason, <laughs> and I can't I can't remember what it is. I think it has something to do with ET, though, mm. uh, and whether whether he knew whether he could be committed to Poltergeist in the long run. And if it would affect his shooting for ET, I you know I'm not quite sure how that works. That out. sounds that sounds pretty correct because they came out at almost exactly the same time so yeah they did but isn't um, it obvious when you see it but but yeah. it's interesting how how people fall into the camps throughout the years when they've been asked about this and a lot of them have said no it's toby's movie all the way toby directed it uh and then there's the camp that said no spielberg spielberg really called the shots on it and you even watch the behind the scenes stuff of poltergeist and Spielberg's the one calling the shots at the behind-the-scenes stuff. So, you know, I, I don't know what that is. Even Joe Beth Williams, I think, discredited Spielberg being the director. Hmm. But uh, no one's asked No one's asked Heather O'Rourke. So, but, you know, so maybe the story isn't really... <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no one's Heather O'Rourke. You're a horrible, horrible okay. person. Uh, can, I, can I just bring up a couple of more... Big movie news items, and then you yeah, guys can talk please, because I really just don't have anything to really add. So please go for it. Okay, Scorsese has assembled the absolute dream cast for Scorsese gangster movie. So he's got De Niro, he's got Pacino, he's got Pesci, he's got Harvey Keitel, and he's got Ray Romano <laughs> and Bobby well, Cannavale. Too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's really got he's got the whole the whole gang. I mean, yeah, I like Joe Ray Romano. Oh uh, well, uh, you know, he, Ray Romano was the best thing about uh, vinyl. Vinyl, yeah. Uh, no, I yeah, like I, mean, I like Ray Romano, but it's putting it, uh, the joke was putting like four titans and then saying Ray Romano. I, mean, I okay. And yeah. if I threw in Barbie Carnavale, it would have subterfuged the joke. <laughs> I'd say. So you just wanted to get the joke out there. Uh, yeah, well, that's going to be amazing. We'll see. 
need to read that yeah. book. Jerry, you read a lot of books. Have you read that book? No, I've never even heard of it until they started making this movie. So it was like one of those things that came and went. So, I mean, until they announced the movie, I'm sure they'll be, I mean, you must be able to buy it at bookstores everywhere now. Oh, yeah. Or what's left of bookstores, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Because <laughs> it has a thing, and soon to be a major motion picture, I'm sure, a sticker on it. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and, uh, uh, you know, everybody's saying, you know, the movie should be called Old Fellas or something. But um, it's uh, they're all going to be like – made to look younger. I mean, it's all that computer technology. It's a, it's a Benjamin Button movie. So <laughs> it's going to be fascinating, and it, it really is. That's the technology they're using. Yep. So it's it's uh, going to be an interesting experience. Um, I just don't understand the cynicism of that, people, <laughs> that people have. Like, well, because what, Scorsese gangster movies have always let you down. I mean, come on. <laughs> wait, wait, where are you getting this from? Where yeah. are you getting Where am I getting cynicism on the internet? Yeah. No, no, but I mean, is this something you, I mean, I, you know, I got to be honest with you, really. I, you know, I, I glance at these articles, I look at them, and then I go watch porn. I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, no, I, that's the only reason to really be on the internet as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, I'm very upset that I've probably contributed to the decimation of the business. But um, you know, you know, it's just such another story. But so where you know, is someone do people post this on our move, on our Facebook page and making those those lewd comments, those cynical comments about them being too old. But then uh you know, other people are like talking about not being excited about it and certain comments and I'm like, Well then you're not excited about a Scorsese movie, period. I mean the yeah, greatest I mean, gangster movies of the past forty years and he's making one assembling all the legends that he that he you know, outside of Pacino that he really hey, made I wanna, legends. I want to say something about that, and this goes with music too. I hate when oh they're too old. No, I mean if they want if they still have that fire in the belly or whatever, they know they're not too old. How would you like if someone went to your job? Oh, you're too old. You shouldn't be here. No one wants to hear that. I don't care who they are. No one wants to hear that. I'm sorry. I mean, that's a and, pl- and plus, this is this movie. I mean, with the level of talent involved and it being an event picture, like a Scorsese, his kind of uh, swan song to the gangster genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the stakes are high. The stakes are high, and, and actors when they feel that they do their best work. I, I guarantee Pacino feels like the stakes are higher with this one than two for the money. Uh, and I, I think that that's probably. Uh, you know, De Niro probably feels it more than uh, that that fighting movie that he did with Stallone. So I'm I, I, I guarantee they're going to try to give their very best mm-hmm. uh, because they know that yeah. this movie can can live for the ages. Yeah, I mean, who's, yeah, expect, I mean, who's expecting this movie to be bad? I just don't understand that. You know, it's like uh, I don't get it. But I, I do think I do think that there's a there's a major strain of ageism out there, and uh, some people just don't want to even they don't even want to recognize the greats of the past. I guess. Let me let me just say say this because I, I feel very strongly about this. I mean, so what? This is how. I, I forget like fallback careers or anything. These guys these are all masters of their craft in one way or another. This is how they earn a paycheck. 
What are we Oh, you're too old. No, I mean, if they can still do it. Yes, obviously, if you're very old and you're an airline pilot, maybe you couldn't be flying a jetliner with, like, you know, 100 people on it. Maybe, you know, if you've reached, you know, the age of retirement, maybe. But we're talking about acting or we're talking about singing. That's all these people really know how to do. How, I mean, I just hate when I hear that, oh, they're too old. Um, no, come on. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, none of them have have... You know, of course, Pesci hasn't been in movies very much recently, but none of them have. Uh, well, I guess some of this could be arguable by some by some people who are more cynical, I guess. But uh, you know, are, are they really around the bend, or are they, have they have they shown have they shown uh, the world that that they're not capable anymore? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean. You, you know, you know. Speaking of Pesci, you know, he's he's clogging up my toilet. But otherwise than that, no. I mean, you know, come on. I mean, it's a, it's a dumb, it's a dumb argument. It's a cynical argument. I hate it. I really yeah. hate it. Well, and plus, these people don't direct these movies. I mean, De Niro's done a a lot of bad movies, and you could say the same about Pacino. But they didn't make them. I mean, and if you look at their work, <laughs> is their work embarrassing? Uh, you know, and I, I, for the most part, I don't think so. Even though I, I do think Pacino was awful in uh, that movie with uh, with Anthony Hopkins that he did last year or two ago. Like he had yeah, a really, really embarrassing. That one. Yeah, it was bad. Demand, right? Yeah, I'm a Pacino completist, so I watch all of it, and I, you know, yeah. I know I know his every habit and everything. So he he was just. You know, I think he had a day off, and he said, "Okay, I'll shoot this scene," and it really showed. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, it's going to be a great movie. Here's another one that's getting uh, equal parts. Uh, oh my God, don't do it! And oh my God, I can't wait. Reactions, and that's Tarantino's latest. This is the big movie news from the past week. That Tarantino had slipped out that he's putting the finishing touches on a script. Uh, involving in some measure the Manson family murders and that he's already approached a couple of talents for key roles like Brad Pitt and Jennifer Lawrence and Margot Robbie. Uh, so there's a lot to swallow here and to talk about, so let's discuss. What are your thoughts, <laughs> first of all, about the prospects of a Manson family Tarantino style? I think it's great. I mean, I think it's a great idea. Uh you know, people are. I guess some people are saying. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the, the, I guess they're saying that Matt has been overdone in movies, but ha, where's the proof in that? Uh, this, uh, you know, I mean, there's been two versions of Helter Skelter. Um, TV uh, and and then there's yeah, which is a TV movie, obviously both of them. And uh, I know that there was Manson Maskers back in the in the seventies, uh, but that's all I can think of. I mean, there was that Manson Family Vacation, you know, is you know Manson related, and but uh, and then the documentary, of course. But don't uh, forget the Jeremy Davis one from a couple of years ago. Remember well, that's, that? Yeah, yeah that's, that's the other the remake. That's the Helter Skelter oh, remake. Oh, that was a remake. Okay, okay, all right, yeah, all right. So, um, and then yeah, there was well, a TV all, show recently, but that's about it. There, there, there are a ton of Manson family movies actually, uh, and they're they're all like independent cult little films that mm-hmm. <laughs> that you uh, that really very few have seen that are not yeah I don't count much those. available. 
yeah. I mean, stuff. I mean, like I know they've been out band. there, but nobody's seen them. So how, how can how can people how can people be be sick of it? You know, it's like you. you first of all, there's never been a big screen uh, treatment of it ever, and it's something that really should have been done a long time ago. Uh, you know, I I remember going through uh, Helter Skelter, the that great you know ninety page fo- photo you know insert that's in the middle of it, and going boy what a great movie this would make and and trying to cast the movie in my mind. This was like twenty or thirty years ago, so uh, you know I was thinking you know. Uh, this was back when De Niro was younger, and I was thinking, boy, De Niro would make a great, a great uh, um, you know, Charles Manson. Um, yeah, that is a, that's actually that would have been a great choice at the time. I mean, yeah, but uh, I, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, uh, uh, it it would be smart to uh, expand the story to show what how it affected the the city and the nation, I guess. But I think that's the important, that's one of the important things. I won't lie. I kind of, when I saw the announcement, I rolled my eyes, not just because I was like, okay, um, this is, but then when I thought, but you sit back and think about it. All right. Remember, he was talking about doing research on the year 1970 and how that was for him. He said that was the most pivotal year in cinema. So, okay, this is related to that. But then he says, "I want to, you know, he wants to focus on Sarah and Kate, which is a really important thing to focus on because that she gets that gets lost, I think, when we mm-hmm. talk about Charles Manson. Um, it's the, the lives, the lives of all the victims. Yeah, really get I mean, lost. it gets lost because we keep talking about the family, the girls. <clears throat> um, we keep always talking about them. I picked up a book yesterday that came out, um, like a year or two ago, called The Girls, which is about the." Um, a novel and there's a recent novel about the Manson girls, and we a lot of things get lost in that. And then a lot of people, I think, are thinking that oh God, Tarantino is going to glorify it. That's the last thing we know. Tarantino is not going to glorify it. I mean, I think we, it's all. I think it's safe to say that he is not going to glorify the murders. Um, well, how? Why would you say that? Because he doesn't. I don't think he glorifies. I. How do I say this? Yes, Tarantino makes movies that have scenes. Of violence, but there it's not. I don't think it's. Ex- I don't think his movies are excessive in violence. They're talkies. His movies are talkies. Let's not forget that. Um, he is. Um, he is very much a. Is very much in love and rightfully so with his own dialogue. Um, so I don't think his films will glorify the violence. Does it glorify the murders well, of these, these people I, I, at all? I mean, yeah. Jeez, does anyone else hear that like static? Yes. Sometimes. Yes. Okay. I'm I'm prone to believe you if if he stays on his current track of like Hateful Eight, uh, Glorious Bastards, that kind of movie. But he, I mean, he he has he has also made movies that exist to kind of wallow and exuberate in violence. I mean, that's what makes the Kill Bill such a exhilarating uh, trilogy, double feature, you know. But so as long as he stays more on his current track than yeah. a Kill Bill or Death Proof, you know, um, and I think he will. I mean, he's a great yeah, I don't, storyteller. I think my, he got that all out of the system. Is, 
I, I, my impression is is that he is telling a wider view, a wider angle story about how the free love generation died with this <clears> event <throat> and how it might have might have caused a cultural cultural shift. And I think Sharon Tate is probably just a part of that. Mm-hmm. But the family, their surviving family members are uh, justifiably uh, worried, uh, worried because uh, they don't want anything to kind of glorify the actual murderers. Um, so that's the big question mark. If whatever he does with Sharon Tate's story, if, if he makes her a singular character that provokes empathy – and not just somebody that uh, is, uh, you know, meat for these people to destroy. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. I there are two movies, to keep, recent movies to keep in mind. Obviously, Fincher's Zodiac is like, you know, and I think it's one of the finest movies of the new century. Um, the other movie, though, to keep in mind, and you may laugh, but we do have to keep the Palmas the Black Dahlia in the rearview mirror, just because. Um, he is, you know, let's, you know, Tarantino is a, a devout worshiper of De Palma, and it's just that's just something to keep in mind. Uh, you know, De Palma using a novel that is based on one of the most notorious incidents, murders, and also to just keep that in mind of the tone. I don't know what the tone of the, we have no idea what this movie the tone is, but those are just two movies, recent movies, I think to keep in mind when when thinking about this. Um, you know, just just the thought. Well, I'm excited about it. I think it's yeah. a, I think it's a uh, good idea, and uh, and uh, I I think it's a subject matter that on the big screen has not really been uh, been plumbed uh, as much as it should be. It might be might seem like boy, he's going to have to make it long though. I mean, is he's going to have to make this one like a three hour movie because there's no way you can tell this this story. In less time. No, no, I, I don't see how. I, I don't see how you do it. So. Well, I'm excited about it. I mean, I will tell you that uh, when I read the news, I couldn't sleep that night because I kept thinking of the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also uh, probably the um, the most uh, treacherous movie he's probably going to ever mount because so much can go wrong with it. Uh, I mean, there has to be the the right level of respect, but not at the expense of expressing the horror, the true horror of it. Um, And you're dealing with people who were murdered, whose families are still out there and still advocates Mm -hmm. for victims' rights. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, you have – there's the whole question of is it going to be the definitive? Because part of me thinks that Tarantino would only take this on if he could do the definitive version of it. Otherwise, the Manson uh, element is just a little part of it, and we don't know for sure if that's the case yet or not. But if he's casting Sam Jackson, I don't know of any uh, black participants in the Manson saga uh, on on any side. Uh, well, that's right. what makes me. That's what makes me think that he's going to enlarge it to show the city, you know, the pe- people in the city yeah. and their reactions. So, but uh, uh, yeah, that is there. There aren't any major black participants that I know of. Uh, but I could, I could be totally wrong on that. Maybe some of the investigators. 
Yeah, maybe, but the, there's there's no major player that I know of. I mean, no no police, prosecution, defense, witnesses. Victim. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the again, uh, he's thinking about Brad Pitt. So, of course, the speculation about who he's casting and what part. If this is a strict Manson family telling, um, Brad Pitt, I guess, could uh, – I read the other day that it's for Vincent Bugliosi, mm. but uh, it could be for Jay Sebring. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, Margot Robbie does seem perfect for Sharon Tate, though. Yeah. And if, if, he might be a little – Pitt. Bar- might, I was thinking Pitt for Sebring, too, but he might be a little old on that point because Pitt's now in his early 50s and uh, Sebring was Sebring was 35 when he passed away so yeah I don't know uh, and then Jennifer Lawrence um, who could easily uh, play one of the girls yeah, I mean because some people were saying oh well who's she going to play you know uh, the, the girls were all ugly no they weren't <laughs> they were, some of them were really hot uh, and, uh, so, I mean, uh, you, you know, she could be, she could be Kasabian or somebody like that. Uh, but, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting. Of course, you know, Manson, I, I can't think, I, I really, you know, Jeremy Davies was really good as Manson in that, uh, in that. He was remake. the ideal. Yeah. He was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he might be too old now for it. Uh, so, and he certainly wouldn't, he certainly wouldn't want to repeat that anyway, but, uh, I mean, either Tarantino or Davies probably wouldn't want to repeat, but, uh, I, I have no idea who could be cast in that. I can't can't think of anybody uh, right offhand. Maybe, maybe, uh, here's somebody, here's somebody I can, uh, how about, how about Andrew Garfield? That's possible. I was thinking Kit Harrington, maybe just physically. Mm. I was thinking Garfield because of the black hair and the black eyes, you know, and cert- certainly they could beard him up and make him look pretty crazy. Right, but, right. Uh, well, I, I don't know. It'll be it'll it'll be fascinating just hearing news about it as it goes along. So yeah, that'll be thrilling. Uh, can okay. we move on to the movies of the week? Sure. Uh, I assume I assume Jerry, you saw War for the Planet of the Apes. Great, go see it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's all those things, and and I think what I like about it is it's a really if this is it's a trilogy. I mean, I'm going on the assumption this is a trilogy. Yeah, it's a really strong um, third act, and they're really what I like about this is there's a lot of nice callbacks. Yeah, to the original five films. Mm-hmm. Um, the obvious ones and the not so obvious ones, and I just like that. I mean, there's just a lot of those. I guess we call them Easter eggs. There are a lot of Easter eggs in this one, especially that I was just like, "Wow, um, someone really well, did their homework here." I mean, chiefly among them, you know, Nova, the introduction of the child character. I was thinking that, and obviously, of um, there's another one, um, Cornelius. Mm-hmm. Is um, but I was thinking just of the. You have, I mean, so like, I mean, I guess does this. Are we going into spoiler territory, or? Uh, you know, I don't think I don't think so. 
But, I know, I mean, let me let me just go. Let me just the, the one that really stood out for me. So when they're, you know, they're the way they crucify the apes, and remember that. So is that symbol? Remember in the, the original Planet of the Apes when they go to the, they're they're on the the Forbidden Zone. They're going to the border of the Forbidden Zone. And all those scarecrow, like, um, symbols, oh, I see. And, you know, structures. So it was very common. So are we saying that those? So basically, what we're saying is those scarecrow are really represent the crucifixion of their, you know, in their their society. You know, what there's something that they really terrifies them. Mm. Um, and I and I thought that was very. Fa- I just thought that was fascinating. So I thought it was very really fascinating the way they used all this stuff from the original film. Yeah. And gave it these new interpretations. I thought that was very clever. Now they did that. They did that also in Rise and also in Dawn. They did. Right here, and it was very good. I mean, it's a very smart. As far as reboots go, it's very smart. Um, and I smart can't get over and it. respectful to the original series. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it is. I think uh, if I had any complaints about the movie, which I had very few. Uh, but I did feel like it took a little time to get going. Uh, I, I, I felt like some of it could have been trimmed a little bit, but that's minor. Right, and right. Uh, here's an interesting thing: like in this particular movie, uh, since since the apes are you know are be, being heavily dep- uh, oppressed in it, uh, in part in major part of it at least. You don't get to see a lot of, you know, crazy ape action, <laughs> you know, like you get in the other two. Right. Uh, you don't get to see them, you know, uh, hopping from tree to tree and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, other than that, uh, of course, in, in the in the climax, you know, there's there's a little bit more of it. And it's quite a climax, I have to say. It it's is. It's a rousing finale, I mean... It is. It is. Uh, I don't get all the Apocalypse Now co- comparisons, really, other than you know, uh, other than Woody Harrelson, you know, shaving his head and and everything. But that, can I that's... say something about Woody Harrelson? It is <laughs> okay when he has the sunglasses on. He looks exactly like Rob Halford of Judas Priest with the goatee and everything. I couldn't. I like burst out laughing. I was like, "Oh my God, it's Rob Halford!" Um, and he looks exactly like him, the singer for Judas Priest in that when he puts the sunglasses on. I, I got a nice chuckle out of that. Um, but you I know need I to put on like a big leather hat. And I was waiting for. Some, I was just like, "Dude, studded. get the motorbike! Get the motorbike! Get the get the hat! Get the leather jacket!" Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, but I, I liked it quite a bit, and you think you think they're finally going to give uh, the Academy will finally bend and give uh, an honorary Oscar to uh, Andy Serkis? They should. They really I mean, should. You know, they haven't given a special honorary Oscar since uh, since Toy Story came mm-hmm. out. Uh, so that's a long time to go without that kind of thing, but. I think it's really necessary that they they seriously consider it because he is Steve spectacular Zahn in this movie. I thought Steve Zahn did a good job too. He, he, he yeah, he he definitely. No, but I I definitely think Andy. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's just a lot to marvel at in the movie. Um, there really is. I mean, I mean, has any seriously has any Special effects driven movie convinced you 
as much as this, these at least the last two, I will just say the whole trilogy, but certainly Dawn and War. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ha, has any special effects movie other than these two like absolutely totally convinced you that this is the reality? Like, there's, I mean, that's how good the special effects. Yeah, are. they yeah. are not. You are not. After a while, you're not even looking at them as effects. Anymore. No, you're looking at them. You, you don't even. We've come a long way from John Chambers. Um, yes. And but not to remember John Chambers uh, at the time was like state of the art. Um, yeah. We can't. Like, cannot rule. We cannot rule that out. But I'm not even forgetting. I just. Yeah. I didn't. You just. You just take it that that they're real three dimensional breathing characters. You don't even think that that's Andy Serkis. You really believe that is an ape. Um, and- and it's extraordinary. I mean, it really is. Uh, you know, all the all the levels of you know stuff they put them through. You know, uh, snow and and water and and uh, uh, and and uh, the the look of reality to it is just uh, it's just incredible. If this thing does not win special effects, but this has got to win visual effects. I mean, you know, it's got to be the best visual effects yeah, of the year. Yeah, um, nothing I mean, else is going to come close. No, I don't. I don't think. I really, you know, I, 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 I mean, there are there are other films coming out that definitely will be up there, but not nothing quite of this magnitude. I mean, this is like this is like Quest for Fire kind of um, kind of thing. Almost, just you're just astounded. Well, literally by, um, every shot is going to be yeah. every. Uh, sorry, literally every shot is going to be uh, is is an effect shot. So it's. Uh, it's it's I, I I'm not going to go too overboard in my praise of the movie because I do think it has some problems, but uh, they're they're relatively minor. I don't think that it's like you know uh, best picture material or anything like that, but it it sure is dang good. You know when it gets yeah. good, when it finally gets going, uh, you're you are overwhelmed. I think that and like I said, you're you you think you've reached the end, and then there's this whole other part and. Um, yeah, I mean, they keep upping the ante. But I, I just want to go back to, to something about how, you know, in the original one, regardless of how many times they go back in time and change into the course of, you know, whatever, it does start, we do realize that this was all brought about by nuclear war in the original five films. Even when they go back in time, you know, and all that, you know, back to the apes, go back to the present, and then they, you know, they're, they've, you know, disrupted things. But here, the road to hell is paved with the, most noblest of intentions, finding a cure for Alzheimer's. Remember, mm-hmm. this is all start. You know, and I was thinking about that while watching it. This is all was all started. This whole thing was set into motion by just trying to find a cure for Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, and and I and I and I, and I think that's just so amazing that just this, the most noblest, the kindest of things that you're trying to do, and a decade or so later, this is where we're at. Um, mm. Most of the world has been destroyed. I just, I just find it's a very clever series. I wish more series would really, um, you know, should really this. study this. They should really yeah. study how they did this, and because it's done with tremendous love and respect of the original series, and mm-hmm. that's what you really need to have in mm-hmm. order, yeah, to, definitely, in, in order to do a, a proper reboot that's really satisfa- satisfactory to audiences and. And fans and critics, I guess. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, 
but uh, but I, I definitely think you know uh, <clears throat> you know Rupert Wyatt's first movie is okay, uh, but the Escape but, Artist. Well, we're not the Escape Artist, or the Great, or something. The Escape, right? I don't remember. No, no, I mean, I mean the first Rise oh, of the, the, first, uh, the Rise movie. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, a, I, it's not as good as the other two though. The other two no, are no, really, no. really great. Uh, well, that's, that's Matt Reeves, isn't it? Yes. I mean, Matt Reeves. Is, Matt Reeves is really good. I think Matt Reeves is the director that J.J. Abrams uh, should be, with all the praise yeah. he's given. Yeah. Yeah. So what? So Matt Reeves did Cloverfield and also the Let the Right One In remake. Yes, which are and let and I love that remake by the way. It, I love that's that. That's an excellent remake, remake. again. Another an, another another redo that uh you know uh it has a similar similar level of respect and and uh, allegiance to the original. So mm-hmm. he's he's really good. Uh he's he's really good. He is. So, and he's one he's one of these tentpole guys that uh Dean uh you should be on board with. I mean more yes. than uh Colin Trevorrow's and all that kind of stuff. If you I am completely. Matt Reeves, Matt Reeves was in charge of something. You'd feel a lot better about it. Yeah, Absolutely. like Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's so, I mean, he threw he out is, the script for Batman. He, so he is moving on to Batman, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Well, you know, that's a good person to have. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, he's a. I mean, you can't. Like we didn't, I know we we might have talked about Dawn on the Planet Apes. So that was like a bad, just a, a crazy summer, a bad summer for me. And I remember seeing it, um, but I, I really thought there's a lot of clever stuff in that one. And I thought that wow, there's a sequel that really does top, just really builds yeah. on what the original one was doing, but does it in such a way you're just like wow, yeah, that's him. You're amazed by that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's extremely talented. That's good. It's, I'm I'm glad there's someone working in that realm that does display some, some uh, a high level of talent. So I also saw the big sick. Did weekend. you like it? I did. I loved it. I mean, you know. Thank it, God. Okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I. Uh, you know, how could you not like that movie? I mean, uh, I guess some people might. You know, if if you're if you're queasy about going to see what is you know I guess it's being billed as a romantic comedy, which it is, uh, but it's also you know it's got a lot of dramatic moments in it. But if you're if if anything is making you queasy about ah I don't like those movies, uh, uh, you're gonna like this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just believe me, you'll you'll dig it because uh, you know it's really telling the. Well, first of all, I didn't realize that that uh, uh, Nanjiani, uh, Kumail Nanjiani, and uh, his uh, wife have a uh, have a podcast. Um, so uh, I di- I didn't realize that. I didn't know that either. When 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 is how many times a month or a week do they do it? Is it a weekly podcast? I, I, I mean, I'm, not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but guy, it, then. I mean, yeah. But uh, uh, apparently, you know, it was the f- fans of the podcast that tried sort of convinced them to uh, to uh, you know convert this their tale of how they met in- into a movie, uh, which um, uh, so. But let me tell you this: uh, he's great at it. Uh, Zoe Kazan is really terrific. Uh, you know, she's sort of sidelined half of the movie. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh but uh 
in a major way. <laughs> but uh, but she's so charming. She's just great. They almost, you know, she. First of all, she looks different in every movie. It's like in every movie that she's in or TV show. Like I, I think the last thing I I saw her in was was Olive Kittredge, and I thought she was great in that. That's right. That's right. That she was in that. But she she looks completely different in every movie. It's it's uh, really amazing. But um, I thought she was extremely charming, and uh, I of course you know Ray Romano, and uh, especially uh, Holly Hunter is. Uh, I thought they were parent. both very good. Both they were incredibly good. good. Uh, certainly, you know Holly Hunter should should be up for supporting actress possibly for this and. Um, uh, and uh, I, I I loved even the minor characters. I, I loved the uh, the backstage um, the backstage you know com- look at comedy you know right uh, which sort of reminded me a little bit of that Mike Perbiglia movie last year. That, uh, I was thinking that too. Yeah, I don't think twice. But uh, this was a little you know was a, a little bit of cut above uh, that. And I, I really you know I mean. It, it's it, the movie wouldn't exist without Jed Apatow, um, but um, he didn't he didn't direct it. But, um, uh, but I, his footprint's not on it as much as you would think, thankfully. Right? Think, in yeah, that. he doesn't intrude gonna, on it. Yeah, I was going to say that it doesn't it doesn't have the flavor of your typical Jed Apatow movie. Uh, it doesn't have doesn't have you know a, a scene with you know, people smoking weed and, and and talking about ejaculating or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, no, no. Of course, it, um, it doesn't have any of that stuff. So it's it's a movie that's uh, uh, that's you know, I, I guess a lot gentler. It's not gentler, but it also does something that you were to coincide. You know, to continue what you're talking about, lots of your master and none. It, it, it brings it. It really introduces, uh, I, I think, our country to something that maybe they're not familiar with, and that's the, the arranged marriage um, that exists within the Pakistani culture, and how this is such a big deal, and how he really is just can't get on board with it. Yeah, and he has a whole. It's a running joke um, throughout the movie. He just has all these pictures of all these women who come over, and he's just not interested. I mean. He just really can't get on board with it, and I thought that was a fascinating take on it. It has a lot. It has a lot in common with Master of None, uh, which I still prefer Master of None's take. I think uh, you know it's uh, this. This was uh, not as you know cinematically interesting as as Master of None is. Master of None is beautifully shot, and everything. right, right. I, I didn't think this was particularly beautifully shot, or or. Uh, it's just extremely well written mm-hmm. and well acted, though, and uh, so on on that level, you know, it, it certainly approaches Master of None. But uh, but yeah, it's nice to see. It, it's it's really good to see these uh, portrayals of uh, mu- uh, Muslims in uh, in uh, in this way, you know, uh, accessible and. Um, it's you know it's it's good stuff you know, but uh, what a summer! I think this summer is really fascinating too because we are getting some good movies, you know. Uh, 
you know, usually when summertime comes around, I'm I'm ready to to cut off, you know, my brain, I guess, for a little while. No, but we are getting a lot of good stuff. I mean, I think we've been getting good stuff throughout the year, but I do really think that we're getting a lot of good stuff. And maybe it is, you know, I think sometimes, you know, you're releasing, you know, some days they'll release like four or five major movies and none of them make an impact. I mean, first of all, because you know, some of them just aren't very good. You know, some of them, you know, I have to hate to say it, would be the kind of stuff that a decade ago would have been straight to video. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am amazed sometimes how there's stuff that would have gone straight to video or that I, I'm amazed that we even come out in theaters. Um, mm-hmm. But that seems to happen with some, on the downside of what you're talking about. Um, but no, it has. There's been a lot of good movies, um, definitely. Uh, I saw the new... Uh... Errol Morris documentary. What's which that? Is, it's called The B-Side, and it has a uh, it has a subtitle, Elsa Dorfman's Portrait Photography. I didn't know who Elsa Dorfman was. You know, this is... This is, is she related to Kent Dorfman? <laughs> <laughs> May he rest in peace, but I mean, I'm sorry. That's the first thing I thought of. I'm sorry. I mean, yes. Uh, that's funny. Um... Elsa Dorfman was a photographer who photographed a lot of the beat poets like uh uh you know, Ginsburg and Ferlinghetti, but also, you know, rock stars like Dylan and Joni Mitchell. Um one of the few photographers that was kind of let into that cabal. Uh and she photographs she primarily uses a uh a device, uh, a 20 by 24 Polaroid camera, instant Polaroid camera. So, you know, you know, the little instant Polaroids that would pop pop the thing out. This is a much bigger version of that where, you know, you take the piece of film off the back of the, the developed photo and there it is, you know, it's like poster size. Um, and there's, it's one of, the one that she has is one of only five ever made uh, by the Polaroid company, and this goes into the movie goes into the death of film and the death of the Polaroid, you know, organization. Uh, but mostly, uh, it's a uh, you know, it, it, <clears throat> it's it might be Errol Morris's most personal movie in some ways um, because I think he feels kind of an affinity. With this artist who's now in her, you know, sixties or seventies, and uh, because he's a similar artist, in that um, a lot of his style has come from a specific kind of camera as well. His, uh, you know, that sort of teleprompter-y kind of camera device that he uses to get his uh, to get his very distinctive, you know, white backgrounded sort of interviews. Uh, with people, uh, it's it's a, a, a it's a camera that he he came up with, a device that he came up with, and and, uh, and once he once he got that device, uh, got that particular camera, it seemed to uh, it seemed to um, jazz up his his uh, his cinematic art a little bit more. And uh, and I think he sees uh, an affinity with her, and she because she found her voice through this particular uh particular camera 
Um, so, and it's interesting because the in the in this movie he doesn't do he doesn't use the, that camera that he's famous for. He actually uh, uses uh, you know just really frames her in her uh, you know dark room and in her archive room and so forth. But it's very good. It's a uh, it's a lean piece. It's about seventy five minutes long. It should be opening in in uh, landmark theaters pretty soon, and uh, so I'd keep an eye out for it. It's called the B side, and um, I also watched the journey. Have you seen that yet? The journey. What's yeah. that about? The journey is with uh, uh, Cole Meany and um, uh, Timothy Spall. And uh, it tells, and it's also one of the last movies done by um, John Hurt. Um, oh, okay. So I have to, he's still got a few movies coming out, but it's uh, it's uh, uh, it it also takes a little while to get going, but when it does get going, it's really good. Uh, it's about the 2006 uh, peace talks over North Ireland. With um, with Timothy Spall playing Ian Paisley, the Democratic Party leader, right. very 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 religious and very uh, stern, and and uh, and uh, Colmini playing Martin McGinnis, uh, the Sinn Fein leader, uh, and um, apparently this is based on a true story. Uh, they were going through the talks and. And uh, I guess Ian Paisley had to go back to North Ireland to celebrate his uh, his anniversary, his 50th anniversary with his wife. And, and in order to do that, basically, uh, he and uh, McGinnis had to share a car ride together for about two or three hours. Uh, and these are two people who hated each other, of course, who uh, – you know, had never talked before, never said any words to each other before, except through the media, and uh, and here they are caught in a uh, in a car together, and uh, uh, it's the dialogue is great, the acting is superb, uh, particularly Timothy Spall, um, who now that he's lost a little bit of weight, uh, seems like he's been, uh, you know, sort of cast in these sort of nefarious kind of roles. <laughs> a little bit uh, like this and denial. Uh, um, he, he's 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 significantly scarier looking as a thinner person than he is than he was as a as a uh, fatter person. But um, it's good, uh, and it will be playing. Uh, it should be playing at um, Landmark now. Uh, it'll probably be off by the time this this airs, but uh, <laughs> I'd keep an eye out for it. So, I've seen a lot of movies this week. I mean, I've, I think I've seen, uh, you know, nine movies. I'm going to have to sort of save some of them. But, um, like, I watched The Assignment. Has is anybody... that any good? Is that any good? <laughs> the Assignment is the one of the nuttier movies of the year. Uh, uh, if, if you haven't heard about it, and I'm not – spoiling anything by telling you this because it happens very early on in the movie. I can't even tell you about the story of the movie if I can't tell you this. It's about uh, Michelle Rodriguez plays a hitman 
uh, an actual man. <laughs> she's she's uh, outfitted with a beard and mustache in the in the first scenes of the movie, who uh, who kills the brother of uh, a scientist played by Sigourney Weaver, and the scientist um, takes revenge on her by bringing her to her lab and uh uh and or bringing him to her lab and giving him a sex change operation transforming him into a woman <laughs> and uh it is crazy it is a really really nutty movie tony shaloub is in it as a as a uh psychiatrist uh interviewing um Sigourney Weaver about her past and uh and her role in all of this. And um it's got little comic booky kind of notes that uh you know uh recall, you know, his redone version of uh of uh the Warriors, you know, where they added those comic book frames right, right. and stuff. Which I'm I despise by the way. I like the original Warriors. But um, uh, uh, it is it's good. It's very entertaining. Um, there's something quite sleazy about it, uh, obviously. But uh, Michelle Rodriguez, uh, while not entirely convincing as a man, is very convincing as a hit person uh, who is rather ruthless. I mean, incredibly ruthless. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so there's something to be said for that performance. Also, Sigourney Weaver gets her probably, you know, her mediest role in a long time. Uh, you know, her mediest film role. Uh, it, it seems like she's been doing a lot of television, but right, she gets a lot, she gets a lot of screen time and a lot of really great lines. Um, so I, I, it's it's now on uh, Amazon Prime, so yeah, you can check it out there. Say because I listened to his um, interview on I guess Brett Easton Ellis's podcast a couple, and it just sounded from when they when you do get around to actually talking to the guests and the um, it just sounded like a really crazy movie, and you know, it's good. It's entertaining if you have a B movie kind of sensibility and everything. Uh, you know, if you like those kind of things. Uh, uh, and I know you like a you know you like a good violent hitman movie yourself, so I think you'll dig it. Okay, no, no, I definitely want to check it out. It was on demand for a couple of months, and I didn't get around to it, so I heard it was on Net- I heard it was on Netflix and Amazon, so I'll definitely um check it out. I, I guess be- before we go, um, I did see a ghost story yesterday. Oh, and um, I like it. Um, and certainly unlike anything I've seen recently. Um, and I, the trailer is, is, I don't even know if you really need a trailer for this, because I'm not sure that, I mean, the trailer sort of gets what's going on, but you really sort of have to watch it. Um, it's, if you've lost someone, I, I think the film is rather heart-wrenching. Um, mm-hmm. You get it. Um, but how, I mean, it's it's really, if you, I guess this, this, this is about the same person who did an Ain't Them Body Saints, right? If I'm yes. not mistaken. Okay. So, um, we have that. The guy knows how to make a beautiful looking movie. 
And it, it, it's fascinating. It, it's not going to be one. I know a lot. I think some people were not crazy about it where we saw it. Um, but it's, Here's not my a, question. it's not an easy movie. It's not an easy movie to sit through. <laughs> okay, so there's the, there's the scene... There's the there's the scene that everybody's talking about, where Rooney Mara sits down and eats a pie for yep. two or mm-hmm. three minutes, right? Uh, longer than that, it seemed. Um, <laughs> she I, finishes you know, a whole pie, right? She eats a goddamn a, a, a huge chunk of it. That's for sure. Mm. And, and you sort of do have to ask: Is, is that the Terrence Malick influence? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, because it just it just focuses on. Thanks for reminding me because I was really there is a lot. I mean, I guess you could think if there's a category best scene of someone eating a pie in a movie, <laughs> um, maybe she should get it. Um, um, but it's. Did, did, did you see a lot of walkouts during that scene? Because uh, uh, apparently think, I, Lowry, the director, says that says that you know that's a scene that he's noticed a lot of walkouts on, and he says. He says that if you've made it through that scene, then you're definitely with the movie. You're definitely, yeah, no, if you definitely made it. I don't remember a lot of walkouts. I just remember a lot of people. Now, this is at our la- our local landmark. And just a lot of people talking during the movie. Because it's not, it's not a di- it's, it's not a dialogue-heavy movie at all. Not at all. I mean, Very quiet. But I'm just, just, I'm just like, God, I just really. But the woman rustling through her popcorn bag, I was just like, Really? I know it's just not. Could you just cut it out? I really just want to say, could you just shut up? <laughs> Why can't people? Okay, <clears throat> the rattling of the rattling of wrappers, candy wrappers, and stuff like that. I just don't understand. Okay, first of all, do all that before the movie starts. Open your wrapped up things before the movie starts, and then mm-hmm. take the, take the the contents and don't. Rattle your hand around in the bag. Pour it out in your hand. Right, right, right. <laughs> so you don't make any noise. Yeah. I, 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 I'm fascinated by just how many people just don't have uh, any awareness of what they're doing. Last night at uh, War, War for the Planet of the Apes, uh, it was a big auditorium, lots of people there, obviously. Stadium seating. Up in the top right hand corner, there's a lady with a baby. It's oh, like God, a two, who brings a baby to like, that? <laughs> like a two year old kid who could talk, talk and stuff. And it was, uh, it, it might have taken me out of the movie actually. Uh, maybe, maybe this is why I thought the movie actually didn't really get going until late, later on. But uh, I was, re- I think the entire audience was struggling, and uh, to accept the the presence of this child, who was really going nuts, uh, and um, I had enough of it, so Uh-oh. I yelled out Uh-oh. in the I I yelled out in the theater, "Will you please shut your kid up? Thank you!" And everybody applauded. And then yeah, I mean, she came back with, "Will you please shut up? Thank you." Like real muffled and everything, and and I was like, "What? That's shitty. You know that you know that there's an entire audience here, and you're just staying here because you want to see the movie, but you have this kid that's going crazy. Will you just take the kid out? This is one of the things that you have to do as a parent." 
But got to get a babysitter. You got to get a babysitter if you want to go. Or and you know. I, you know, I mean, I know that people are financially strapped and everything for for that kind of thing. But if you're bringing a kid to the movie and the movie and the kids not acting right, you have to you have to forsake the movie. Sorry, mm. <laughs> you can't just stay in there and let everybody put up with it. Right, right away, the kid was quiet after that. Well, I mean, he probably he always told my God, Treadway's on my case. I better shut up. <laughs> but uh, I just had to, I had to say something. Well, no, I just we had that. I'll never forget. Um, um, you know, during the uh, the, the Greystoke movie, someone bought a, uh, an infant to that movie, and um, you know, the beginning <laughs> Mercer. <laughs> You know, Thirty six years ago, <laughs> <laughs> you can't forget. I mean, that, that baby's kids collecting that... social security now. <laughs> if I'm not collecting social security, that kid sure as hell is not. He's probably dead anyways. But uh, he was crying. That kid was crying, and someone just said, "Take the kid out of here, please. Take the kid. This would be uptown." And someone's just like, "People are just you got to take the kid out." This is the first one. They said, "Why are you bringing a kid to this movie?" You know, um, so. But during the whole, like, the beginning, like, I guess the first 20 minutes where, you know, the apes that kill the family or whatever, and it was like, get the kid out of here. I mean, so. I, I, I don't understand that. Once and, and somebody was rustling their candy wrapper. This was uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 1968. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, man. But, right, uh, maybe on, that, on that note, maybe we should. Um, <laughs> Maybe call it a night. Yeah, I, I can I can save some other movies. I, I, I got to talk about this one though. I have to talk about this one. Uh, <clears throat> has anybody seen uh, the new Terrence Davies movie? It's relatively new, called A Quiet Passion. No, I've, I've heard of it, but I haven't. I, it didn't play long <laughs> enough here to go check it out. This is a fascinating failure, like a really, really interesting failure. This is a guy that does really good movies. I mean, uh, lots of terrific movies, things like Distant Voices, Still Lives, and uh, The Long Day Closes, The Deep Blue Sea, and uh, and The House of Mirth, particularly, uh, is a particular love of mine. So I thought, oh, this is going to be great. It's uh, uh, Cynthia Nixon playing... uh, Playing Emily Dickinson. Oh, is, I had is, no interest in seeing this. No, I remember. I just don't like Cynthia Nixon. I'm sorry. I just she gets on my nerves. I just had no interest. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I can understand that. Uh, she, she's great, by the way, in a movie called James White, which is a, a superb movie, but a tough right. movie to tough movie to take. But she's fantastic in it. Uh, <clears throat> she's good in this, only intermittently. It's the oddest movie. Because it 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 starts uh, it starts off kind of poorly with really really bad wooden acting uh, and really uh, that kind of florid language that you would expect you know I guess people were using at the time uh, that uh, for instance like something like somebody like Whit Stillman. Uh, you know, did well with that kind of language in uh, mm-hmm. uh, Love and Friendship last year. But right. in this movie, it sounds completely phony about 50%, 60% of the time. Uh, there's a character in it that 
plays kind of a, uh, you know, her best friend that kind of talks in these sort of like clever little bon mots, you know, that's like, what? I don't know. She took the, Every line is like something that's supposed to be funny but isn't. Uh, and um, Cynthia Nixon can be really good in one scene and then not so great in the next scene. And uh, all of the supporting characters, with the exception of Jennifer Ely, who's also in it, uh, she's she's very good in it as her sister. But um, almost, and and also Keith Carradine plays her father, and he's he's good in it. Uh, but uh, there was just so many, like just when you think the movie's going to get going and start getting good, something else happens that just ruins it. It's either bad bad writing or usually it's the acting and some of the casting was really bad too just the you know some of the people that they got to play uh, some of the roles were just they were like it was like a high school production or something it was really really awful maybe the worst movie i've ever seen by this director and some but yet somehow in these mid-year you know these kind of mid-year assessments Oh, the 20 greatest movies of 2017 so far, or whatever. It's placing, like, up there, like, somewhere in the, you know, 13th best movie of the year or something like that. It's like, what? Did these people see the same movie? I, I did. I, yeah, right. I can't imagine. Uh, uh, you know, I have a couple of friends who, who adore it, uh, and uh, and I, it's all I can do to keep from getting into a argument with them about what did you adore about it i mean like it's got some good scenes in it but it is not a good movie uh so if you if you're into that kind of thing you know costume drama you know i i i definitely think that emily dickinson's life is worth a movie and um but this wasn't the one (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) 